Welcome to Let's Chat Teaching, an Apple Tree Resources podcast where each week we'll dive into all things teaching in the grades 5 to 8 classroom. I'm your host, Nicole Sanders, a classroom teacher turned online pro D course creator. I'm here to help you strategize, unpack, and create more ease in your classroom this year. Hello, and welcome to Let's Chat Teaching. Today, we're going to talk about how to have students edit their own writing without having you edit it for them. Don't you just hate editing your students' rough drafts? Am I allowed to say that? But it's true, right? Like, there are 30 students, or abouts that, and having students ask you to edit their writing is basically them just putting the work onto you. And then you have to go through and edit it. And I know I have done this as a teacher. Okay, okay, okay. And I'm writing, writing, editing, editing. And I realize these students are standing there doing nothing or standing there talking about their weekend and they're excited to go and do this and that. And I'm working, working, working. And I soon realized that I know how to edit and they don't. And it's actually a skill to edit your own stuff. It's it's a really important skill, actually. And by me editing my students' work was taking that skill and that opportunity away from them to learn the skill to do it. What is that saying? You know, give a man a fish, they'll be hungry tomorrow, but teach a man to fish and you'll have fed him for a lifetime. We want to teach our students to fish by teaching our students to edit their own writing. So, how do students edit their own writing? We actually have to go back before we start writing. We have to look at the end in mind, as Stephen Covey says it. So before editing, students need to write double spaced. In those lower grades, those grade five, five, six years, I've even had grade sevens and eights asked to have a lesson on this, but to teach students double spacing is essential for good editing. If there's no room to edit, then editing for anybody is extremely frustrating as you're squeezing things in and you're trying to make things clear, but what you're really doing is just making a mess for no reason. And so we need to start by looking at the end, what we need at the end. And what we need at the end of a rough copy is space to edit. So double spacing the work is extremely, extremely important. When I have students edit, when I have anyone edit, but when I'm asking students to edit their own work, they write in one color, your choice as a teacher, but they need to edit in a different color. I usually have edits done in red. It's extremely clear because if they're going to write in a blue, let's say a blue ink, and then they want to edit in a black ink, it does work. I have students do it, but what really works is if they're going to be editing, <laughs> editing, editing in an extremely different color, like a red or a purple or a green that's legible, those kind of things. So a different color is really, really important because it makes the editing very, very clear to the writer when they go back to do their edits and write their good copy. It also makes it really clear when there's a second or a third editor. And when we go and look at the rough copy later, it's very clear what's the editing and like afterwards proper at self-editing and what's the rough draft writing. So all those things are really important. And it's really easy to indicate that just creating a very or using a very different color. If there are multiple editors, I always have each editor use their own separate color for the same reason. So again, we're not editing in the moment, but we've set ourselves up for editing by double spacing. 
And before we edit, so it's really, really tempting when we're writing something. I do this all the time, even now. Once I've done writing something, I want to immediately go in and edit it because I want it to be done. I will, again, if you've listened to any of the other ones, I'm sure you've put together that I am quite type A and I like getting things checked off my to-do list and just being done with it, right? Our students are the same way. Most of the time, they want to get it to the recess bell or they want to start talking about their A, B, or C, whatever it is. But it's really, really, really important, despite the agony in it, that the writing, after the writing's done, it gets stopped and put away. And then we come back to the writing for self-editing. Because our brain, if we if we edit right away, again, even now with myself, if I'm editing something, if I write something right away, all my creative juices, they're going, they're flowing. I'm like patting myself on the back. It's amazing. And then I start editing and it's just like, oh yeah, this is, I did a really great job. But if I put it away and then I come back 24 hours later, or I come back a cu- even a couple of hours later, I look at it and it's like, oof, what did I mean by this? how did I write that down? What was I thinking? Because our brain doesn't automatically, it's not in the same mode. It's not auto-correcting in our mind. It's looking at it afresh and anew and asking the questions that anybody would be asking when reading what you write down. And so that space, that time between the first copy of like writing out the short story or writing just any writing and going back to edit, it's essential for good editing. Okay, we are finally up to the point of like actually sitting down and self-editing. And when you do that, it is really, really, really important. Yep, that's right. Three reallys is, is to read it out loud. So our brain is amazing. I love, love, love our brain. Uh, and when we read things in our mind, we actually auto-correct it in our brain without realizing it. So I don't know if you've seen those things on the internet, usually Facebook, it comes up or wherever it is where it's like, can you read this? And the first letter and the last letter are, are the same as like the actual written word, but inside all the letters have been jumbled, but like you can read the whole paragraph. Some people can, and some people can't. And I'm able to just sit, sit and yeah, read the whole paragraph. It's fine because my brain, good readers, we know this, um, through research is that good readers actually look at indicators for words. Once they know a word really, really well, all they're looking for are indicators, first and last initials a lot of the time. And the brain can put into function the rest of the word, even though it's kind of conjubbled or not spelled correctly or the grammar isn't correct. Our brain just kind of fixes it so that we can make sense of it in our brain and take the information that we need and leave the rest because our brains are amazing. However, we want proper editing to happen. And in order for that to do that, we need to acknowledge that our brains are amazing and that our brains will automatically autocorrect if we're reading in our minds so silently, right? And so it's imperative that we actually read out loud. Students tend to hate this. I hate this too, unless I'm in a room by myself, which isn't a reality in education. We do not have one room per kid. There is a room full of students. And so that sounds extremely inconvenient. But what I tell my students is whisper, read it. Our brains don't need to hear it like really loud in order for it not to autocorrect. All it needs to hear, it needs to add that audio component so that our our ears hear it and our brain doesn't autocorrect it. That's it. So if we're sitting and we're looking at something and we're whisper reading it aloud just enough to hear what we're saying then our brain does not autocorrect. 
And it does work in a classroom with 30 students. I've done it many times. And sometimes students will face the wall. Um, sometimes students will just turn their chairs around if they're in table groups, that kind of thing. But if they're whisper reading aloud, it's just a low hum in the classroom. It's not loud. It's, you're not going to have a splitting headache at the end of the day. But these whisper reading aloud allows the brain not to autocorrect and to look at it for what it really is, which is what will catch those simple mistakes when we're self-editing. The first read aloud or edit should be to catch the general mistakes. A lot of it is for structure and flow because we think again in our heads, it's all beautifully written. And when we read it out loud, it's like, oh, you start fumbling over these words that you don't feel like you should. Well, you shouldn't. And so you're able to correct and catch those very simple things when doing your first read aloud. Obviously, if there's any other mistakes that jump out, like, oh, this should be capitalized or there's no quotation marks when the speaker is speaking, whatever it is, that's a good time to correct that as well. But a lot of that first read aloud is looking at the flow or hearing, hearing the flow of the story and what it actually sounds like out loud. And so those are easy things to catch. Or if it's like a, a double word or something's left out in the sentence, it's just really easy to catch those in your first read aloud. And that's what the first read aloud really should be, is just to hear this magical story that you created and to make sure it's still sounding pretty magical. And you can add those little things in or take those little things out that keep it magical. After that first read through, the editor can choose something to look for for that second read through. Sometimes it's the teacher who's saying, okay, in your second read through while you're editing, look for this or that, right? And that's usually um, something that you're specifically focusing on in writing in a writing lesson, for example. But if you're just doing a general second edit read through, students can be looking for, okay, do all of my sentences start with a capital and end with a period? Yes, that sounds very basic, but we know our students, they're learning to be writers. And so these are basic things they do need to ask themselves when reading their stories again, when reading their writing again. And so if that's the focus, then they could write that somewhere just so that they remember what their focus is and they reread their story. They might catch other things as well, but their focus is really looking at, do my sentences have capitals in the beginning and periods at the end? And uh, that would be one of the focuses, or they could choose a different focus. Like they might read through a second time and underline any word that they're not a hundred percent sure is spelled correctly. And they just read through and all they're doing is underlining or highlighting with a highlighter, whatever color they chose, but would keep with the same color. And then those words are meant later for the student to go back and look them up and to verify if the spelling is correct or if they need to change the spelling on that. But that could be another focus. Like I was saying before, the teacher might have, or the lesson itself, the writing lesson itself might have a specific skill that's being worked on. So for example, there might be, you might be working on writing character dialogue. Then that first read through still is going to be for those general basic things that pop out and flow while that, while you're reading that first read aloud for your first edit. But then the second focus might be, did I follow the four rules of writing dialogue in my writing? And so that second focus will be going very slowly and checking every time a character has dialogue that the dialogue follows the four rules of dialogue writing. And this helps deepen the learning and understanding of dialogue writing in their own writing and to see, because it reminds them of these rules as they go through the editing process. And 
as we know with dialogue writing, if the rules are not met, then dialogue writing is just confusing and frustrating. But if the rules are followed in the writing, it's, it's an, it's an amazing thing to add to character dialogue to add to any short story. So that could be a very specific focus that students look for in their self-editing. And it could be anything that you are teaching specific skills for in a writing class or in a writing unit. When students are self-editing, it's not, the goal is not perfection. Our students are learning to write. They're, they're learning the skills and the prog- the process And the goal is not perfection, it's progress. And so by self-editing their own work, students are learning how to be better writers. If I edit my student as a teacher, if I edit my student's work, they are not actually learning a skill, right? Their their writing skill has remained the same. But when students go and self-edit their writing, their skills are deepened. They have a deeper understanding of what needs to be changed in their current writing. And that gives them tools in their toolbox. So when they go back to writing the next time, anytime in the future, they have those skills. And hopefully as they work through it and do it more and more, those skills become automatic. And that is the process of learning. It's actually having to slog through it. I don't know any student who loves editing. Well, actually I had one student. (laughs) I've had over a thousand students in my career. And I can think of one student who loved editing. No other student that I know of loves editing. It's it's a laborious process. But the process itself deepens learning, deepens understanding, and allows our students to walk the journey of becoming better writers. And by taking that away from them, we are actually making them or allowing them to stay in kind of the infant stages of writing hood rather than moving through the skills to become better writers. And it's a skill and it takes time and it takes effort. And so this editing, self-editing process is a huge part of the writing process to become better writers. After students have proofread their own writing or edited their own writing a few times, I usually have them do it three times, sometimes a fourth, but generally by the third time they've read it. If they've gone slowly and whisper read it aloud and have gone through the different goals, then they've really torn apart their paper, really. And they there should be lots of marks on that editing paper. And there should be an opportunity to write a good copy, or a better copy, if we're really looking at it, right? They're going to be writing a better copy. As an extension, which helps both the writer and the other students in the room, you can have classmates help edit as well. It would be the same process as before. So the first, the classmate would read the writing out loud and just look for general things that pop out for that first read aloud edit. And then they too, for their second read aloud edit, would be looking for specific things. And they can look for their own specific things. Again, is every sentence capitalized and have periods or proper punctuation? Or it can be something that you as the teacher has put on the board like are the four steps of writing dialogue, character dialogue being followed in the writing. I do make sure that each editor has their own separate color. And then on the back of the page, so on the blank, on the back of the story, I have each editor just write their name in the pen that they're editing in. So if the students who are self-editing are editing in red, they just write me or their name in red on the back. And then if there's a second editor, like a student self-editor, and they're editing in green. They just write their name in green on the back. 
even if I have parents, um, if students have parents help them edit, I have them also use a second color or a separate color than the rest. Maybe they're editing in purple and they write mom or their first name on the back as well. It helps just clarify everything through the process. I'm going to take a quick water break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about AI writing our students' stories for them and how we can make that process very difficult or impossible. I'll see you after the break. What if I told you teaching your students how to write a short story could be easy? Short Story Writing Made Easy is an online professional development course for grades 5 to 8 teachers. Short Story Writing Made Easy is a step-by-step online course to help bring more ease and fun into your short story writing unit this year. One of the best parts is this online course can be taken when you want and where you want. When you buy Short Story Writing Made Easy, you get access to the course for a full year. That means you can start, stop, and go back to the course whenever it works in your schedule. Head over to appletreeresources.com slash courses to learn more. That's appletreeresources.com slash courses. Okay, welcome back. We are talking about having our students self-edit. And we are going to just take a quick look at how can we encourage our students to not use the computer or AI to write their stories for them or to write their writing for them. I know this is a big, huge, hot, hot, hot topic that educators are, as teachers, we have to figure this out. We have to look at this. It's real. And there are opinions all over the board on this. <laughs> so let's just take a look at it. Let's just back up just a little bit here and we'll go over that in a second. So when I have students hand in their good copies, I always have students write in their rough copies as well. By doing this, I can see the editing process and how many people and who were the editors in this process. It's not just colors, although that's the very quick signifier. If every editor has a separate color, including the student who self-edits, you can see very quickly how many people have edited. Sometimes I've had um, a requirement that there needs to be at least two or three editors on a page or on a piece of writing, and other times I don't. But if there are, you can see. And it's not just that you can see the different types of writing as well. So you can see if a student has just self-edited in three different colors to show that they've, you know, had other people edit it when they really haven't. You can tell with the type of writing and you can talk to your student about that. Um, it doesn't happen very often because having different colors really does require. It requires students to have other editors if that's what you want. I also have students hand in the rough copy with all of that editing, even though it looks a mess. Actually, I praise students quite a bit if it looks a mess because editing should be dissecting. It should be changing. There should be a lot of marks on it. That's good editing. And uh, part of that is because it's not about the end product, right? We do want our students to get an end product when they are writing, but it's really not about the end product. That's part of it. It's about the writing process. And there's no evidence of the writing process if there's no rough copy. So it's really providing evidence of their own process of learning. And that is essential in marking and assessing and walking through students with the learning of writing and not just an end result. And so rough copies always come in with good copies. In grade five to eight, I've also had my students print their writing by hand. I'm going to repeat that. And I know some of you 
Ooh, your heckles are going up and you're saying, no, no, no. I want all my students to be typing because that is a life skill. I'm not disagreeing. It is a life skill. It's life skill everybody needs to have. However, printing is also a life skill, a life skill that is declining. Printing things down, it's a skill our students need. And in grade five to eight, these are prime years for our students to be learning, practicing, honing in on these writing skills. And so I have my students write, print out by hand, their stories. If everything is written by hand, then it's much harder to simply go to a computer and get AI to write your story for you. Of course, students could go to a computer so they could sit in class and pretend to write or write something, go home, ask AI on the computer to write the story for them. They could hand write the story down and then pretend to proofread it. And then, you know, you can see how this goes, right? This is a lot, a lot, a lot of work. When we give our students time to write, print by hand these stories in class, it makes it much more difficult and the process way more laborious to have AI write the story for them. And then adding that extra element of proofreading your own writing and handing that in, it makes an extra element of difficulty with having AI write the story for you. So it's not impossible but it makes it way more difficult to do that than actually sitting and writing your own written piece. By giving our students time to write, self-edit, and peer edit in class, we're also showing our students that the skill is worth taking the time to develop. Giving time for these skills of writing and editing and proofreading, it really shows students by living it out how important these skills are. That is it for today's episode. And I just wanted to thank you so much for spending time with me. I know and acknowledge that time is our, a not renewable resource. And by spending it with me, I'm honored. So have a fabulous day and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.